Welcome to the Empowerment Radio Show, the show that empowers, inspires, and motivates. Hear from experts in all areas of business as they share proven techniques that have helped them earn millions and have more free time. Learn the tricks of the trade, including how to market your business and develop the million-dollar mindset needed to succeed. Be sure to register for more information at torontowomensexpo.com. Use hashtag EWTS, which is short for Empowering women to succeed. Now, let's welcome the host of the Empowerment Radio Show, Randy Goodman. Hello everyone, this is Randy here with the Empowerment Radio Show and I have a really, really special guest. I've been on her show, and now she's on mine. Nikki <laughs> Clark. Hey, what's up, Randy? How you doing? What's <laughs> up, so, Nikki? How are you? Oh, my gosh. Good vibes. Everything's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be on your show, and um, woohoo! Feeling empowered already. Yeah, this is awesome. So I have Nikki Clark here. She's Jamaican-born, award-winning host and producer of The Nikki Clark Show. She's also founder of The Nikki Clark Network. I mean, you lady are everywhere. So please <laughs> help me give a warm welcome to my podcast guest, Nikki Clark. Yay! Woo-hoo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a uh, pleasure you. to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And welcome. Uh, very welcome. Okay, so we want you to dive into a little bit about your upbringing so we can know a little bit about the background of who Nikki is. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to implicate my parents. <laughs> but, um, well, uh, going back, um, I have a proud, um, you know, I have a proud beginning as a um, Jamaican born. Um, my parents moved to Montreal to back in 1970. And I was three years old, so do the math. You know how old I am. And uh, we moved to an all-French neighborhood. Uh, We were the only uh, West Indian family there. So I had to acclimatize to uh, not only uh, very cold weather, because we came in the dead of December, the dead of winter. Um, I also had to learn French. So um, I think this really triggered a lot of, uh, I think qualities that I have now as an adult, I had to learn how to adapt. I had to learn how to be flexible, and I learned how to um, get along with a diverse group of people. I, and and this has really been something that um, is very important to me uh, right now as as an individual. I, I embrace diversity because of my early childhood experiences. So. Um, growing up in Montreal was wonderful. I had an amazing childhood. Um, my parents are, you know, very hardworking, strict, disciplinarian Jamaicans, both academically driven. So with that, they really pushed me in school to excel. And because I was really the, the my, minority in, in a lot of the schools that I went to, it was like one of or maybe two of uh, black children there or, or black students there, there was there was a, a kind of a motivating factor that I had to really achieve to be seen, you know okay. what I mean? Because uh, just the, how it worked out in terms of numbers. And, and, you know, I mean, it was the 70s. So there was a lot still growing in terms of just how black people were received. 
you know, there was still a lot of racism that was going on. And, um, you know, it, 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 again, that, that's something that uh, is part of my experience that, you know, it's made me who I am. I, ha- I have thick skin because of the, because of the experiences. Um, some weren't very pleasant, but it, it shaped me. Yeah, I'm grateful for what I had to uh, go through, and, and um, there's so much more um, that is there for me. But, uh, yeah, th- those are just a little bit about, uh, those are my early experiences, I guess, that can you know, contribute to the upbringing. It, it must have been a huge shock to you when, well, you were pretty young still, right, when you came, but just the shock of moving from a warm country to <laughs> freezing yeah. cold and and then the language barrier as well plus the cultural barriers i mean that must have been quite stressful on you and your family um you know children are children and they're very resilient mm-hmm. and i think because of the mind that i had um i i had a really and I still do, a very active imagination. So a lot of the times that may have been perceived negative, I made it into a fantasy. I started to just, um, I, I guess I really started to develop my own little world in terms of, you know, how to entertain myself uh, being alone and, um, you know, trying to make the best of the situation. Uh, I, it, it took a couple of years before the children accepted me, um, you know, being the only black child in the, in the hood. Um, I was chased. I was spit on. Um, I was confronted almost daily. Um, you know, I, I heard the N word so much, I was starting to think it was, you know, a regular word until my parents explained to me that, you know, it's not anything that um, is good. And mm-hmm. I should never receive that well. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, you know, it, it, and, you know, this is something that I, I just had to work on. And, and I never lost my spark. I never lost the shine, no matter what happened. And my father said that I had this, um, a special quality. She's, he, my father saw this, this thing um, shining in me. And I would go out and, you know, um, aside from, you know, people who didn't understand us because they were afraid, because we were different. Uh, the ones who did receive us, you know, they, they loved me. They they mm-hmm. just saw this, like I said, this shine, and they wanted to be around me. And um, we're still friends from, from the time we met. We connected. Um, so I think this shine or this ability is just this inner strength that I had from a, a very young age, and it just kept me who I am, kept me together. And I really believe that um, the shine has a lot to do with um, the the connection I have uh, with my higher source, you know, and um, still with me to this very day, this very moment that I'm speaking to you. So um, I've just been able to tap into it very early. And, um, you know, a, a lot of what has happened, um, all the good things I can attribute to that connection. That's fantastic. You are a very strong lady. Very <laughs> strong. You. you are. Do you have any siblings, Vicky? I do. I have two younger brothers. I have two younger brothers, yeah, who are um who look older than me because they're just they're tall and strapping um men. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, we, we have an interesting relationship where we are not always together, but we will fight tooth and nail for each other. 
Nice. You know what I mean? We just have that loyalty, and, you know, we, we get along, and sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just part of, oh, yeah. you know, that's just how it is. But, um, no, they're, they're, they're good men. They live in Calgary, and they've got careers there. And, you know, mm-hmm. God bless them. They, they're, they're good men, and they, they work very hard. So, yeah, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. are my two younger brothers. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Now, are they in Montreal? No, they live in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that uh, they uh, one has a career in security, and the other one is in IT, and yeah, they're they're doing this thing, and um, yeah, they. It, it's amazing how you can have, you know, children in a family. As, as you know, you've got children. I have children, and we were raised the same way, but we're also different. But it's it's just a great thing when we come together and we're at that that dinner, Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving, and we just just the the combination of personalities make it a lot of fun, you know. So I'm the one that ventured out into media, um, doing something completely, you know, right brain from the others who are very logical, but uh, but they still support me and I support what they do. That's fantastic. So, okay, so you had some challenges in your upbringing, and then what did you decide that you wanted to study when you left? high school? I had a gift of gab, and I also had a really um, uh, uncanny ability to express myself um, through uh, written language very well ever since I was a little girl. Actually, I wrote my first song when I was eight years old, and I started, and and this is part of the fantasy world I had. uh, Once I learned how to read and write, I was just writing very frequently. I was journaling, writing poems, and um, just just kept doing it um, right up until, uh, you know, this day. Um, so the writing, the, um, the, be able, the, the ability to speak publicly, and um, I also got involved in a lot of dramatic uh, type of presentations. Um, I was often given the lead in plays, and, and then I got into um, music. By the time I was 12, I was... Um, enrolled in the Royal Conservatory of Music in Montreal, and I learned how to sing classically. So I have a classical training there. And then, um, you know, as you get older, you start you know, listening to a lot of radio and Top 40. The Top 40 at that time was Michael Jackson um, and all these great new wave bands and the police were another favorite band of mine. And I was like, okay, let me take a little of my training and, and infuse some soul in it. And also jazz. I'm a big Billie Holiday fan, so I ended up, um, you know, copying their style, and uh, did some performances in my, you know, my twenties um, for, you know, different gigs and uh, performed um, live. So, uh, so that is kind of a little bit of you know the training that I had building up to where I am right now. And then um, when I went to university, I went to McGill University, and I met the man that I, you know, married, um, finished university, and started a family. Uh, so by the time I was 24, I had my daughter. And at that time in Quebec, there was um, political strife. <laughs> uh, well, I call it political strife for the Anglophones because there was, you know, this, this um, whole talk of referendum. Uh-huh. Um, the the Parti Québécois were very strong in their stance about um, separating from the rest of the country, which um, you know threw a lot of people up in arms. And I think 
there was a mass exodus of English people or people who were just fed up with the system and left Toronto. And we were one of those people who, um, who was the, you know, the, that wave of people leaving because of all of that. So we uh, moved to Toronto in 1991. And my daughter was just a few months old and started a life all over again. And, um, yeah, so that's how my life started in Toronto. Wow. And so you were how old when you came to Toronto? Uh, 24. 24 24 with a baby, yeah. With a baby, wow. With a baby and a husband. (laughs) Okay, so what did you do when you came to Toronto? I was a stay-at-home mom. Awesome. I was a stay-at-home mom. I um, had my um, my other daughter in '93, and then uh, well, my first daughter her name is Navon, and then my other daughter 20, uh, in 90, 1993. Her name is Kyra. She was born in '93, and then my son um, Josiah was born in 1996. So you know, it was, it was kind of like a you know, two every two years I was having a baby. Right. <laughs> so it's just that my husband. My husband at the time um, was the breadwinner, and I stayed at home, and I, I, I took care of my, my beautiful children, and um, that's what I needed at the time, and that's what happened. Yeah. Fantastic. So how long did you stay home? Um, I stayed home with them um, up until my son was 15 months old when I actually made a decision to leave my husband. Okay. And then I had to start a life as a single mom. Now, did you go right to work from there? um, No. I left left the marriage, which was very turbulent. Mm -hmm. And I moved to Jamaica, where my parents were living. They, They had migrated from Montreal to Jamaica, and I lived with them. And um, they very kindly, you know, helped me to kind of reestablish myself. And they said I didn't need to work for a while. They, sure. they, they were okay with taking care of us, and I just needed to kind of get my mind right. And I right. did that for about a year and got my, when I say my mind right, I got my health back together because <laughs> it was not in good shape. Uh-huh. Um, at that, you know, pivotal time in my life, um, I had to get my self-esteem back. Yeah, there there was a lot that I had to kind of fix internally, and mm-hmm. and then yeah, that I went into teaching, which I loved. Wow. I I um, got a position <clears throat> as a uh, high school teacher, mm-hmm. and I taught Spanish for about a year and a half, and then on the side I end, I, I started up a little language center um, on weekends, and I would teach French and Spanish. So local professionals would come to me on a Saturday afternoon and some students who wanted to just brush up on their French and I would, um, French and Spanish, and I would, I would teach them. Wow. Like, uh, so, yeah, so my entrepreneurial um, ability started to, I guess, emerge at that point because I was like, you know, doing side hustles is in a bad way of making extra money. If I have the energy and, and my children are, are cared for, why can't I go out for a few hours and just I have this ability and people want it? Why can't I make some money from it? Absolutely. So I had I had police officers coming. I had um, coming to you know learn Spanish. I had nurses, and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Hmm. You know, so that that kind of stuck with me, and uh, I 
did what I had to do in Jamaica and, and uh, restored myself. But I felt that there was um, too much of a gap in terms of communication, too, too much of a distance between um, the children and their father okay. uh, because of, you know, you know, the countries being so far apart. And I made the decision to move back to Canada. Um, after I got up, I felt that I had enough strength to start yeah. over on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to, because I had, I, had, um, I had my degree, I had also, um, I had a social sciences diploma. I, I had a little bit of background. And now I had my teaching um, experience under my belt. I got a teaching position at Sheridan College in early childhood education. When oh, I moved awesome. back, yeah, I had, uh, I had a, it was a really a, a blessing, you know. So in 1999, I returned and I got a teaching post there, and I taught there for 10 years. Wow! As a, a part-time um, instructor in early childhood education, also community development, and it really helped me. It helped me to you know be able to put food on the table and you know um, a decent roof over the heads for the children. Um, but I had to work very hard because I was on my own, and as much as my parents, you know, um, would have loved to have contributed, or you know, family members would have wanted to contribute. I wanted to do this on my own, and um, I had the the main gig teaching, but I also took on two other part jobs. <clears throat> so you know, people would look at me and go, "Nikki, don't you sleep?" And I'd be, "Yeah, I do." And I, you know, I'd laugh and joke, and I'd say, "You know, I have a job per child," kind of thing, and and they just kind of you know, be marveled by it, but I just knew that that's what I had to do. Because um, at that point, I think I had a lot of pride, and I just wanted to be able to um, move about uh, and do what I needed to do and to provide without having to ask for handouts or what I felt were handouts. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what happened. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Not a dull day, hey? <laughs> eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never a dull day. You mentioned in there that you had taught Spanish. When did you learn Spanish? I mean, you're from Jamaica, so you were probably speaking. You probably, I mean, you're highly educated, but you probably also knew how to speak Patois, right, yes. or the local yes. language. And then you go to Quebec, so now you're speaking English and French, mm-hmm. right? Where did you squeeze in Spanish? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> exactly. No, great question. Um, well, as you know, uh, Jamaica, the second official language is Spanish. So my parents uh, knew a little Spanish. Um, my father would actually speak Spanish to me as a child and sing to me in Spanish because his um, his grandmother was from Panama. Wow. So, um, and my, my mother's uh, father was actually Cuban, but um, he never spoke Spanish, but we, so that's the connection. And then um, I, when I was in school, um, what they call CGEP, which is a two-year preparation yep. program towards university, I took Spanish there. Wow. And I also learned Russian. Um, so I have a little bit of uh, oh Russian goodness. understanding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so languages, it, it just became one of those things that was just easy for me to pick up. My father has good right. ears too. He speaks several languages as well. He speaks Hebrew, Greek. Um, it, it's, it's incredible what he speaks. Wow. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those things. But um, yeah, so that's how I ended up learning Spanish. Wow. 
<laughs> okay, so here you are back in Toronto with your kids so they can see their dad too, which was a very brave move for you to make and a very generous move for you to make. You know yeah, what um, I thought. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and you know, and put yourself in a little bit of hardship. Thank goodness you were lucky to land a job right away, so that you didn't have to worry about that part of it. But um, okay, so you taught a lot of teaching. What mm-hmm. brought you from there to what you do today? I think it was about 2008, I, I just had a, a reboot in my life and I really needed to um, tap into the creative part of me that wasn't being used. And I was, I was straight corporate. I was you know, using the logical side of my brain. I was managing people organizing this and um, the, the part that I loved that was, you know, connected to my spirituality wasn't being used at all. So I wasn't very happy because of that uh, lack of utilization. So in 2008, I, um, leading up to, you know, making the, the breakaway, I was invited that year by um, an individual. Uh, her name is Blue, by the way. Shout out to Blue. She had a, a, an online TV show. Actually, it was radio at the time and invited me to come and talk about what I was doing in the community. She, she heard about what was happening, and that year I received an award um, by the, um, the African uh, Women's Achievement Association. I was given the Award of Excellence for Community Service and Teaching. So she heard about it and invited me to come and speak what I was doing. And when I was on air, um, the station manager enjoyed what I was sharing, and he approached he said, you know, you would be a very good on-air producer or radio, um, you know, disc jockey. If you ever thought about it, you know, let me know. So let's say that was in August, October. I approached him and I said, you know, I, I'm ready to um, take you up on that offer. I'm ready to be a radio host right now. Um, do you have a position open? And he said, okay, well, pitch to me what your idea is. And I told him, I said, I have this idea called And the Beat Goes On, and this show would be hosted by me. I would invite people who are, you know, gifted artists, and they would have to perform live, and I would interview them because I felt that the artists in Toronto weren't getting the love, they weren't getting the shine, and they didn't have a platform to really um, showcase their talent. So this would be the place, And the Beat Goes On. And he's like, yeah, I like the idea. So in October 2008, And the Beat Goes On was born. And Saturday night was my night. It was my creative outlet night. I would leave my 9 to 5, you know, marking and, and lesson plans. And then Saturday night, I became Nick's on the mix, which was my alter ego. Yeah. So Nikki Clark, the professor, was Nick's on the mix. And wow. I would dress, I would put my hat on and my funky clothes and be me. You know, wow. so um, I invited some very interesting people who are now big time celebrities. Maybe you've heard of The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was able back then. He was a young able. <laughs> uh, he came on my show and he sang. And, and um, I've, I've had people like Maestro Fresh West, another legend. Um, so 
a little whim, uh, an idea, a germ of idea became a uh, sensation, um, mm-hmm. underground sensation for these artists over the, the next three years. And people were approaching me from all over uh, Canada, the States, Europe, and they heard about this mix on the mix and they wanted to come on the show because there wasn't an outlet for them anywhere else. Well, so I thought, okay, um, why don't I do this full time? I, I think I'm just going to take a chance. I'm going to take this leap of faith. And it seems to be working. But I, and, and Randy, I was financing this completely by myself. I would just wow. take part of my check, and I believed in it so much, and I would pump money back into it. I didn't get any sponsors, nothing. I paid for it, thousands wow. of dollars by myself. Wow. So because of all of this interest that was building, I said, you know what, maybe there's a way that I could actually make a living from this. So I had to take to be creative and I had to um, um, mesh it with the business, and I turned it into a business model, and then um, that that worked. I had to go through a lot of uh, ups and downs. I made a lot of mistakes. I trusted the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Um, I got involved into some things that you know um, had to happen. You know, I think everything has to happen in order for you to really learn and to you know it had to be part of that journey, uh, and. It, it shaped me into um, the producer that I am and, and the insight that I have in terms of what people want and how to make things look in terms of a talk show format. So in 2012, I, the, the show um, metamorphosed, metamorphosed into um, the Nikki Clark Show. I changed the name and the Beagle, as the beat goes on to Nikki Clark Show because um, someone told me that I needed to put my name more into the branding and yeah. also to be less and stop being, you know, like modest or on the shelf about what I was able to do and to really put myself in the forefront, and which was a challenge for me because mm-hmm. I was okay. I was okay just being, you know, behind the scenes. And he said, no, put yourself in front and then build it around your name. And I was like, okay. So I did it. And I also changed the premise to instead of just artists, to really opening up to the community. And it was um, invited to all walks of life, anyone who had a story. But it had to be a real story because at that point in my life, I was getting real. I was starting to confront um, stuff from my past that I wasn't dealing with. I was starting to uh, really grow spiritually. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to take my mask off and I'm going to show you who I really am, you need to be real and you need to do the same thing. So if everyone was okay with being authentic, and yes, talking about you know, all their wonderful accomplishments, talking about some of the, the stuff they had to go through, the crap that they had to go through in order to get to their place in the sun. And I was scared, Randy. I didn't know it was going to work. I, I didn't know if people were going to reject the idea. And here I am out on a limb, vulnerable as heck, talking about you know, some of the stuff I went through. And I was like, okay, hope people like the idea. And thank goodness um, it was received well. And the show has built itself into what it is now, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I think it's, it has been able to meet the community need in that people feel that the platform is safe for them to okay. share, um, that, I'm not, uh, that it's not one that is judgmental, because I try not to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's one where they can share in front of a group of people, which is very daunting. Um, the format of my show as you experience is in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. And I, I do that 
because I need as a host the energy from others around me, especially yes. if it's built on good, good energy. Mm-hmm. But I also I want them to be able to make connections. When I move to, um, <laughs> I feel like Montreal is such a smaller city and a slower paced city uh, compared to Toronto. And when I came here, I was just overwhelmed by the size and just the density of people. Um, I felt also disconnected. I felt lost in the numbers. And, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one who experienced that or may, have, you know, feel, may feel that way right now. But if they can um, come into a place where people are sharing, maybe um, they're not ready to share their story now, but maybe they can just receive that information they need and feel, wait a minute, I'm not alone. I'm not the only woman who, is, um, you know, who went through a traumatic marriage. I'm not the only woman who had to start all over again. Randy, when I left the marriage, I left with two suitcases. Right. I left with everything behind, my furniture, um, my childhood possessions. Everything was left behind, and right. it was gone mm-hmm. when I returned. Wow. So, do you know what I mean? I had to start everything from mm-hmm. scratch. So, um, so this, I was hoping, was, able, it was, was enabling people, was empowering people to, to lose the feelings of shame when they mm-hmm. had to go from the bottom and start over, all over and, mm-hmm. to, um, and to be surrounded by people who can build them up and say that, you know, there's no shame in the game. It's okay. And you can start over. You can restore. And um, it's going to be okay. So with these messages, um, I think, and I really want to have, have um, a, a, a legacy for mm-hmm. uh, not only my children, not only for... Um, you know, it, it's really for the community at large. It's for the world at large so that we can really operate on another level, um, on a level where we're um, content from the inside out. And through our self-love and our content, we're able to uh, create a, a very different dynamic uh, in the way that we interact with people. So I think at this point in time, I understand that's my role and I have accepted it and I'm I'm grateful to be able to encounter and create wonderful friendships and connections with people like yourself and yeah. um, the, the uh, amazing um, group of you know, healers and community workers and that who are trying to make a difference in this world. So I think um, that's where I'm at right now, and, and I'm happy. That's fabulous. I love it. And I love the route that you took. You're helping other people. Uh, you're helping them through experiences that you've had yourself, but you're also giving them a platform to share things that you haven't experienced, right? To share things with people that will help others no matter what they've gone through or what they're going through and uh, you know, you. giving them tools for that. So that's phenomenal and you've created it yourself and kudos to you for that because it's not an easy thing to do. I know that. No, it's not. <laughs> it's you know, not being a single mom with your kids and those responsibilities and moving from country to country, I mean, you know, you bore the weight of, you know, I don't know, 10 men. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, phenomenal what you've done. So I really, you know, I'm grateful for you being who you are and, and being able to share and help others along thank your you. journey. So thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank oh. you. <laughs> so you've gone through a whole whack of things through your life. And, uh-huh. you know, and, and now you've 
finally come to a place where you found something you're passionate about and that you love and you feel is your calling. Now, what would you say are the most challenging issues that people face when it comes to business? I mean, you've interviewed a lot of people. So mm-hmm. what, would you, what would you find are the most challenging that you've heard of? I found very um, very challenging for me was a little bit of the sexism. I felt that, you know, starting as a producer, there was uh, kind of an old boys club attitude. I wasn't taken seriously in a lot of situations uh, where my input as a producer wasn't carried across, wasn't... Um, wasn't listened to, I felt that I was ignored in terms of how I wanted things to go, uh, how I wanted things to look. And I had to really put my foot down and to really um, assert myself and, and show that masculine energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I unleashed it <laughs> on, yep. on a couple of individuals, but um, it had to happen that way. And I, I, I had to go through individuals who showed me their worst in only to bring out the best in me, if that makes any sense. Yep, And I had to really um, be sharpened by um, certain interactions. And and now I'm at a point where the experiences have made me so quick in terms of how I perceive things. Um, I can see a situation before it happens. I have the intuition um, how it's going to work before it actually happens. And I think people who are needing this guidance in terms of creating their talk show format, if I had not gone through some of that hell, it it would not have helped me to help them uh, create what they're looking for now. So the Nikki Clark Network started last May because I felt I was in the right position in terms of what I knew to be able to leverage others, to Mm -hmm. be able to give them their own platforms to uh, create their legacies in terms of information and what they wanted to share with the world. And I believe it's working. I started off with my flagship show, the Nikki Clark Show, and now I've I've grown to about eight shows within within a year. And I believe it's going to continue expanding the way things work. And it's helped people. And I, I work with men and women, but I find the women, are very appreciative of the fact that I I am telling them as it is, like it is, as a woman, what they're going to experience, how they're going to be received, things to avoid, things to do. The type of nurturing that I'm offering as a con- as um, a collaborative producer, I'm preparing them that they won't get this kind of coaching um, at other places. And if you look at my website. It's, del- it's deliberately pink and purple because I want people who visit to know that it's a feminine energy behind there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Or, or a very flamboyant person. Um, but, yeah, so, so they, they understand that this is a different type of thing that they're experiencing. It's like the type of maternal um, instinct that I have anyway that I just uh, share with people who are under my belt. So the network is more than just, okay, this is what you get for what you pay. It's, it's a family. And I'm very careful about um, uh, who I want on the network. Mm-hmm. It, the, the individuals must be positive. They must be able to contribute back something to society that is, that is going to be beneficial. 
and and I want to take the time. Um, I want to invest in the right people in order to bring out the best in them. And so far, so good. Uh, met some wonderful people, and I really do believe that we're growing as a family, and um, we have an understanding, and that understanding is going to really help a multitude of people who are able to, um, you know, witness what is happening and, and understand what I'm trying to do. I The only mentor I can say who has helped me to kind of ground myself right now in this whole uh, world of media has been Oprah. Oh, and, nice. And I, she, was, she, was the, she was the woman I connected with um, when I was in school learning film and communications at McGill. I, was, I believe I was, I think I was 21 years old when I saw her first show. Mm-hmm. And that was in, I think, the late 80s. And I said, oh, I, I, I like this woman. She was, she was a black woman. Mm-hmm. She was honest. She was charismatic. She was bubbly. And, mm-hmm. and I said, I, she's, she's like me. We're, mm-hmm. we're trying to just do what we can with our God-given talents and, and just trying to make a difference. And I said, yeah, I, I, I want to be like her. And that's when I just started following her. And then when she started OWN, when she started the Open Winfrey Network, I said, yeah, that's next. That's next, right. but not right now. <laughs> so my right now happened last year. And nice. I think, yeah, this is the time for me to do my, my NCN, the Nikki Clark Network. Well, congratulations. That's <laughs> awesome. That's Thank awesome. <laughs> and I know Oprah is a mentor to many. <laughs> many, many, many. We can't even count that high. So that's awesome. And I know you are the same. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, what kind of results do you think people have when they work with you or when they come on your show? What are they getting out of it? They're getting real connections. When you're putting yourself in a position of authenticity, real only knows real. So if that is what you're willing to do, you're going to be received and you're going to be um, reciprocated a real connection. And I find that people who come on the show um, build very strong relationships after the show. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is very important. And um, I I think that is the most important thing for me at this point is for for people to create a rapport and to um, feel like they are understood, they are respected, and they are supported. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no better platform than that. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's like I mentioned before, it's a safe, it's an honest place to uh, reveal, take the mask off, to be received, and to be honored for what they do. And the thing is with a lot of the, um, well, I wouldn't say a lot, I think they're changing, but in terms of mainstream media, if you're not getting numbers, and that's how advertising works, as you know, it's based on numbers. If you're not getting hits on YouTube or views on, on YouTube, they're not likely to book you on the show because they need following. They need fans to justify their advertising dollars. Okay. Coming on the show, you don't have to be a superstar in terms of what the numbers say. Everyone's a superstar. Right. 
everyone's a superstar who sits on on the, the the couch with me and we talk about our stories and that's the most important thing absolutely i mean you're putting somebody up on a pedestal right mm-hmm. um but you know i don't think you give yourself enough credit because okay yes they're making great connections and whatnot but you're picking quality people to be up mm-hmm. there right mm-hmm. to share information that they're an expert in that they're being authentic mm-hmm. uh, that that you're helping your audience yeah. you know you're giving them tools and resources mm-hmm. and you're not charging them for it right um, so, yes i am <laughs> well you're not charging your audience no i'm not your audience is watching for free right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you're providing all this great value on mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. and these people get to share some incredible info with your audience mm-hmm. who now gets the benefit yeah. from you know attaining all that information which mm-hmm. is phenomenal mm-hmm. right and you don't even know three quarters of the people that you're helping you don't yeah. even know who you're helping you don't even know no. how you're helping them I don't but you're helping know. them I don't need to know they, they, as long as they're held, that's that's what matters. You know, you know, Randy. At the end of the day, there's things that can't be quantified. Mm-hmm. Happiness can't be quantified. There, there's no price tag on happiness. And if 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 what I do can help others, if I can increase the value of their life, if I can make them happy, then that's what I was put on this on this earth to do. I truly believe whatever energy that you put out, you're going to you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I know, and and. My mom says, "You know what? Anything you get, and you because you live good. <laughs> it's a Jamaican expression. You live good. Um, so, sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I'm in a position where it's like, okay, when am I going to get the next so and so to cover this amount? And then it just comes. Mm-hmm. Or I'm thinking about something, and I get, uh, I get, you know, a, a TV. I get all these gifts." that come to me because I'm confident that whatever I have done, I know it's going to come back. Right. So I, I'm not worried about, you know, not charging at the door. That's not important. I, I think having people there fill, fill the room, as many people as possible, to come and to hear and to witness and to leave and to, and to spread, spread the good work, that's important to me. Everything Absolutely. else will come. I, I chase the passion just like Oprah, Oprah says, chase the passion and the money will come. Love it. And so far it's been happening. Well, that's so, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So thank you for that. Uh, now, what really makes you so passionate about sharing with people? Uh, it's just... It's just an intrinsic value that I have. I just feel just a, a joy. I feel just a pride and accomplishment. I feel that it just makes it just makes my insides just resonate. It, it, it that's just what it is for me. That's my my driving, I guess, values. I I'm just really happy when other people are happy. And I, you know, and it's, and you know, I get the label. Oh, you know, you're too nice, or you know, whatever you want to. You know, people might think you're weak. Um, yeah. it, it takes a lot of strength to give stuff away. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> that the whole giving thing, 
um, does not make me a weak person because I, um, I can show you the masculine side and I'm, I'm, and I'm able to do it. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. If I have to kick butt, I can. Um, not physically, but, you know, in, in the sense where I can defend myself. Right. But, you know, there Watch is... Watch guys out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I take cardio, I take boxing. But the thing is, yeah, if, as long as you are... Um, as long as you are okay with, uh, you know, giving and, you know, within certain parameters of giving and um, feeling good about it like I do, mm-hmm. uh, it's, just, it's such a beautiful thing. It really is. And, totally and, and, when, and, and my, my early experiences working with children and seeing their, their faces light up when they're doing really well, when they get, you know, little reinforcements like stickers or candy when they do a good thing, you know, translating it now into the adult world when people are getting, um, they're, they're, they're getting friends or they're connecting on social media and meeting people and, and getting business just from, you know, being around the, the circle, the Nikki Clark Network, that, that makes me happy too. That's fantastic. just as happy, yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, I think also when you do something that you're passionate about, you do better it shows right it yeah. shows you're doing a fantastic job so thank you so much oh, thank for that. you randy thank you yeah. thank you you know and it doesn't come without challenges because i still you know you, you got you have the haters oh you have yeah. the haters randy yeah. and it's like i look at it now and i'm thinking but what is wrong with this individual don't they know that you know so and so happened like i'm this kind of person it doesn't even matter and it's mm-hmm. not even a really about you. They're just going to hate because that's a sport, you know, for them. Right, right. But, it, but at, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I, I have to think that I'm doing something right in order for them to get so, you know, up in arms and they want to follow and they want to discredit and all that kind of, like, weird negativity they want to bring. So, you know, I think they it, takes need a lot of, it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, they need a job <laughs> or a hobby. But, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I, I'm not giving it back to them. Like, I just, you know, what you got to do. But um, keep, keep who, you know, whoever's listening, there, just keep your eyes on the prize. Um, don't get discouraged. Some days you will not have cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And then some days all of a sudden everybody wants to take you out to dinner. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very discerning. Oh, yeah. about what you do and who you have around you. Mm-hmm. But if you, keep, if you keep connected to your true self and you keep connected to your higher source, whatever you call your higher source, mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so true. So true what you're saying. So last question. What would you tell people about getting into the industry that you've gotten yourself into? Is it Difficult? Are there any tricks to the trade? What can you in tell getting us? involved in media? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, media is uh, it's a fickle business. <laughs> um, it's a business that is um, it is based on, like I said, numbers. It's based on what you know what is trending, uh, what, what people want to see, what people want to hear. So the topics have to follow in terms of 
the advertising dollars based on uh, what the flavor of the week is in terms of content. So it changes all the time. Uh, so if you are getting involved in media, you have to be one that is flexible to change, and you also have to be very well-versed. You have to keep um, your finger on the pulse of what's going on. So I, I'm, I research all the time. I'm always staying one step ahead of the game in terms of what people are looking for um, and also how to keep um, staying you know, in advanced in the technological aspect uh, when it comes to my website and, and sending out information or, or the tools for sending out information. Um, you also have to have a thick skin when you're dealing with media because if you sign yourself up to be in the public eye, uh, you're going to get roses and rocks <laughs> right. uh, thrown at you. So be prepared for that. Be prepared for that. And um, be able to, I think I mentioned before, be, be discerning, be very uh, selective about certain offers. Not every offer, Randy, I'm sure you've experienced, not every offer, although it's seemingly is you know hot at the time is going to be working for you and it's okay to say no you don't have mm-hmm. to say yes to everything that comes your way right. and, and and people may not be all that um, you know in love with your decisions but it's the right decision it's the decision that you had to make at the time when you're a leader you're not going to be able to make everyone happy right. Right, in, in a single situation but with confidence and confidence is about trusting your decision, with confidence you're able to, at the end of the day, know that what you've done was for what it was the right thing for what you needed or what had to be done at that time. So you have to be confident. You have to be very discerning. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to be flexible. And at the end of the, at, at the very last thing, I think, out of those important pieces in the ingredients in, in kind of surviving in media mm-hmm. is surrounding yourself with good people. You have to insulate yourself with people who are going to be honest, constructively honest, and who are looking out for your best interest. And it's, it's quality over quantity. You don't, you don't need thousands. You only just need one or two. But those are the people who are going to insulate you with the truth, who are going to build you up, mm-hmm. and um, are going to you know, give you the conditional support that you need. So if you have all those in place, then you're pretty much well-armed for a successful career in media. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. I mean, those are great tips for someone who's thinking to get into the business and very direct and to the point. So if you you fall into those, great. If you think you can, great. If you don't, then maybe it's not the area for you. Yeah, maybe it's not for you. Yeah, maybe it's something else, but thank you, because that's uh, very direct and to the point. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible journey with us. It's phenomenal. I mean, I, I have a passion for knowing about people's stories, so I absolutely love to hear them, but your story is incredible all the changes that have occurred and the challenges that you've faced in your life and to pull through on top and to kill it with your shows and, you <laughs> know, you. in a positive way and to, 
you know, be growing with your network. That's phenomenal. Um, let me ask you, where, what website can people reach you at? Where can Absolutely. they find you? Sure, they can reach me at the NikkiClarkNetwork.com. Uh, that's N-I-K-K-I-C-L-A-R-K-E Network.com. All my, um, my social media contacts are there, uh, my email, my phone number, and also the present uh, shows that I have running on the network and all their episodes are there and information about the content producers. Content producers are the individuals who are the hosts and producers of their own show and I come on and I collaborate with them to bring it to the next level. And we're having a great time. We are working together uh, to um, make a difference in the world. And I really invite you all uh, who are you know, interested in being a part of this network to get in contact with me and uh, let's see how we can help each other. Definitely. And then definitely attend one of your live shows because those are phenomenal. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, and you get to network with people and good food. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and then we have karaoke contests, and it's it's really, it's all about a party and and leaving empowered. So you you, you see it. You see how you get to hear me sing. Got a beautiful voice. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So the next live taping is August 26th. Uh, That's coming up next week. And uh, that's at 8 p.m. at La Creole. Uh, We have a beautiful new venue on uh, St. Clair Avenue West. That's 810 St. Clair Avenue West in Arlington. And, um, yeah, and the food there is French Caribbean cuisine, and it's extraordinary. Uh, Everyone left there with... uh, Nothing but um, amazing things to say about um, the service and the food, and uh, they had a great time. So and I invite awesome. you all to come. Thank you. And that's in Toronto. So That's in Toronto, yes. Yeah, because we go worldwide with this, so just this is true. everybody know. <laughs> We're in St. Clair Avenue, New York. No, I'm sorry. Yes, Toronto. <laughs> so if you're within driving distance and want to join them, please do. This is such an awesome show. I've been through a show. It's amazing. And uh, thank you so much, Nikki, for speaking with us and sharing a lot of private information, you know, and then your insights on business and whatnot. And really appreciate you doing that because you are helping a lot of people all over the world. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you're more than welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Nikki. And I want to say... And Randy, i got to say, you keep doing what you're doing. You don't give yourself credit for stepping out on the limb for so many people and and helping them, empowering men and women to um, achieve their goals. So thank you for what you do in the community. Thank you so much, Nikki. You're wonderful. I love working with you. And uh, I will love working with you more and more in the future. I know we can do great things. So. Yeah, September 23rd, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I want to also thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed Nikki. I think she's phenomenal. And please remember to subscribe to the iTunes podcast and to share it and anywhere else you find the podcast. Please share it. And if you really enjoyed it, please write a positive review. We love getting reviews as well. So thank you again, and we will chat soon again.
Thank you for listening to the Empowerment Radio Show. Want more empowerment from Randy Goodman? Stay up to date and follow Randy on Twitter at Randy Connects. That's Randy with an I. Remember to use hashtag EWTS, which is short for Empowering Women to Succeed. Or visit TorontoWomensExpo.com. Thank you.